1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 through 24. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who is free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Amen. Good morning, church. Oh, that's good. Thank you. I needed that. If you don't know, I'm, I'm Robin Harris. I'm one of the elders at Verse by Verse Fellowship. And as you've heard, and as you saw on the screen, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 through 24. And the title of the message is Preoccupied. And I want to start with an um, example of myself. Uh, back in the early 80s, and it's going to date me, back in the early 80s, personal computers came out. And they had 64K of memory. It was so exciting, I shook. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And with that, uh, also easy using programs came out, program languages that anybody could really uh, use. And though I was a civil engineer, I was bitten by the programming bug. And man, I got so preoccupied with developing software for engineering applications. I would come home and I'd get up and from eating or whatever and stay up till 11, 12, whatever it was going, just going at it, doing code. Or I would be laying in bed and had not solved a particular code program and it just come to me and I'd jump out of bed, scare Sue to death, go downstairs. It was, it was an obsession. And Sue, at the height of that obsession, has some descriptive words for me. She said this, if I had a keyboard attached to me, I would see you way, way more. <laughs> Ouch. I, I, uh, I eventually quit using computers completely for a long period of time to detox. And because it, it just got really bad, and, it, and I just had to get away from it. Can things preoccupy our time so much that it causes us to stagnate in our spiritual growth? It does, right? 
Well, we're going to get into that, but before we do, I want to give some context of what is occurring in uh, this chapter. Let me give some background of what Paul is uh, addressing in this chapter. Paul has been addressing certain things concerning marriage within the context of the Corinthians' newfound faith in Jesus. They had questions, and he has been answering these questions. By looking at verses 1 through 16 and verses 25 through 40, there were two main questions in light of their newfound faith. One question was whether to marry or not marry. And then the other question was whether to stay married or not. Paul answers uh, to the first question was this. If you cannot behave yourself in a godly manner, get married. If you can behave yourself and God has given you the grace to devote yourself to him, then the best thing to do is remain unmarried, but it is not sinful to get married. Look at verse 1 of chapter 7. Now, for the, for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relationships with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relationships with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. Now drop down to verse 7. I wish that all of you were as I am. But each one of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So he answered their question, that first question. Then... The second question is answered in verses 10 through 16, whether to stay married or not. To the married I give this charge, not I but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving, unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such case, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So Paul basically answers the question. Stay married unless your spouse is an unbeliever and wants to leave. So, 
So they, these new believers, they were preoccupied with this question, these questions. Do I get married or do I, st- uh, or do I uh, stay unmarried? Do I marry now that I'm a believer or do I get a divorce and be more devoted to God? So Paul answered their question. Then in verse 17, he does a transition. And the transition is to a bigger picture answer about preoccupation. They were preoccupied about their marital status, but then Paul's going to back up and he's going to look at the bigger picture. And the very first word he uses is the word nevertheless, which means no matter your marital status, listen up. Paul is going to give us some valuable counsel about being preoccupied with things that impact our spiritual growth, and our purpose. And here's the first one. Preoccupied by where you are in life. And it says in verse 17, look at that. Nevertheless, each person shall live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. And then he says, this is the rule I laid down in all the churches. This is Paul's big picture summary before he gives some specific examples. And it is clear from the examples that we're going to look at that he's not just talking about marital status. It applies to where you are in life. And then it said, if you recall, It is Paul's rule laid down for all the churches, which includes our church, right? All right, let me ask you this question. Where are you right now? Where does God have you right now in life? Are you preoccupied with the situations of your life? Have these situations become an obsession for you? Or do you do this? Acknowledge your situation. Continue to pursue Christ's likeness with his grace and strength. That's what we're going to look at. In the context of chapter 7, it is saying this. When you became a believer, God had you in an assigned particular marital uh, status. God called you to salvation in a signed situation. If married, stay married. Unless you, and if you're not married, uh, don't get married unless you can't handle it. Either way, do not be preoccupied with what God has assigned you when you were called to salvation. But in the broader sense of the verse, it's saying this. When you look at whatever situation the Lord has assigned you, it means the place that you are right now, that God has orchestrated, right? 
where you are in your life is under the sovereign working of God, whether you understand it or not. But I want to make a, a few qualifications. If you are in a sinful situation, guess what? God didn't orchestrate that, right? If you're working in a sinful job environment, God did not orchestrate that assigned place. But if you're not in those cases, God has sovereignly worked in your life, and you're in that situation because of him, no matter what. And how easy is it for us to become preoccupied with our life and where we're at? I know it is very easy. So what do we do? What, if we, what do we do when we get so obsessed about where we are in life? Well, Paul answers it in verse 17, and it's a phrase you may just look at and say, well, yeah. He says in verse 17, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them. The most important phrase in that sentence is what? Live as a believer. Living as a believer is no longer living as a child of the world, i.e., being preoccupied with the personal earthly situations. Living as a believer is at least four things. The first one is pursuing the kingdom goals, rather being preoccupied with earthly needs. Matthew 5, uh, 6, 25 through 34. The second one is walking by faith rather than being preoccupied with the search for earthly direction by sight. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And then thirdly, setting our affections on the things above rather than being preoccupied with the things on the earth, Colossians 3, 2. And then lastly, and I, I really believe this is so significant and this is so important. Using our earthly platform, our assigned situation by the Lord for his purpose, rather than being preoccupied with breaking out of our assigned situation. You are placed in that position. That is your platform to bring him glory. If you want to be preoccupied with something, be preoccupied with following Jesus. Is that right? Amen. So, I got a, a little example for you. Before um, coming to San Antonio, and this is about preoccupation, by the way, unfortunately. Before coming to San Antonio, I was going about 100 miles an hour in life. I was a vocational pastor, and I was a civil engineer, and Sue and I were taking care of my parents. My, my wife was so amazing helping me with that. My days were full, and they were amazing. 
I, I, I taught Sunday morning, I preached Sunday morning, I, I preached Sunday night, I taught Wednesday night, I helped the youth pastor, I did visitation, I mentored, I studied. I mean, yeah, I was just blowing in and going. And then I was also doing civil engineering design, which is very cool, by the way. But this is the deal. God was pouring out unbelievable amount of grace on me. It was astounding. With all those things going on, that was the only way that it was going to work. I mean, it was unbelievable the amount of grace put uh, into my life by God. And then all of a sudden, the locomotive came to a screeching halt. I was in San Antonio, and none of these things were in my life. Now I was like a deer in the headlights. I was like, okay, what, what do I do now? And I became so preoccupied with a loss of real purpose, actually self-absorbed with it. Life seemed like a real fog. It was the very epitome of being preoccupied. What did God want me to do? What did he want me to do? Well, Paul said it. Live as a believer in my assigned situation. God wanted me to be preoccupied with following Jesus. And by the grace of God, that eventually happened. And I know my family's very happy about that. And he's done some really, really amazing things. God has caused me to do some things I would have never thought to do. It would have never entered my mind. And God has shed the majority of our, Sue and our's earthly possessions, and we're so at peace with it, we don't even think about it because we know God is faithful in all things. And it wouldn't have happened if we wouldn't have come to San Antonio. It is absolutely amazing. And God has opened more opportunities for me to use my platforms in so many different ways that would have not existed at all in this place called Crumb. See, we lived in Crumb. Isn't that a weird name, Crumb? <laughs> I live in Crumb. Ooh, I'm sorry. <laughs> crumb, Crumb, Texas. Look it up. It exists. K-R-U-M, not the C, but we lived in there. So, so God did, God is still doing amazing things, unbelievable. God changed my heart. I got away from being preoccupied with what didn't matter to being preoccupied with matters for eternity. And that's all, let me tell you this, that's all the work of God. Now listen, listen to this. Continuing to be preoccupied with where I was in life would have stifled every single bit of that. All of it. How about you? How about you? Are you preoccupied by where you are in life? Or are you preoccupied with following Jesus? 
Only you can answer that question. If you're not preoccupied with following Jesus, then do what Paul did. He said, forget what lies behind, press towards what lies ahead. And then he said, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what God wants us to do. Let all those other things go away. Don't let it preoccupy your mind. You might need to acknowledge it. You, know, you might need to understand it. But we're on a mission, right? And that's what God wants us to be. So he says that. It's his, it's his general picture about being preoccupied. And then now he's going to get very, very specific. He's going to look at some very, very specific things. And so the next point is this, preoccupied with who you are in life. Look at verse 18. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. That would have blown all the Jews' minds. They would have just exploded, right? Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. What is something? Look at what it says. Keeping God's commands is what? Counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. This example is about who you are in life. He is addressing being preoccupied with changing who you are. Now, uh, God will change your character. God will change your lifestyle and so many things. But listen, you have a specific ethnicity that God has given you. The example here is uncircumcised and circumcised, meaning the example of being a Jew or a Gentile. And this is what he's saying. He tells them, when you became a believer, you were either a Jew or you were a Gentile based upon your birth. If you are a Jew, don't be preoccupied with trying to be a Gentile Christian. If you're a Gentile Christian, Christian, don't be preoccupied with trying to be Jewish in your Christian faith. Then he makes this profound statement, circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, meaning being a Jew or being a Gentile is what? Nothing. Then he says, keeping God's commandments is what counts. I like what John MacArthur says about this uh, set of verses. Listen to what he says. For Jews to want to appear as Gentiles, or for Gentiles to, to subscribe to things unique to Jews, was both spiritually and practically wrong. It was spiritually wrong because it added an outward form to the gospel that the Lord does not require and has no spiritual merit or meaning. It was practically wrong because it 
it unnecessarily separated believers from their families and friends and made witnessing to them much more difficult. What matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. That's right, huh? Is that right? Amen. So let's, let's take all of that and let's bring it a little bit more home, okay? Let's, let's look at it from our own context. Being preoccupied with our ethnicity will veer us away from our real purpose as believers. Whether trying to be like a certain ethnicity or overemphasizing our own ethnicity is wrong. And it is not that I ignore or even make slight of my culture, my background, the color of my skin, my heritage, my nationality, but I do not make it my mantra. You know what our mantra is? We are children of God. And every child of God is my brother, is my sister. Can I have an amen to that? You know what? Let me tell you something. God was the one there when you were made. And whoever you are is what God wanted you to be. That's true, isn't it? He was there when your DNA was formed. He knew exactly what he was doing, and you are who he wanted you to be. You are fearfully and what? Yes. When you became a follower of Christ, the big deal was that you are now an adopted child of the creator of the universe. Amen? That is the big deal. Be preoccupied with the glorious work he has done. Be preoccupied with your new brothers and sisters in Christ. I love it when I go and, and fly somewhere. Um, I'll sit by somebody and I, I look at them and I go, I got you. I'm going to do one of two things. I'm going to I'm going to share the gospel with them or I'm going to find out that they're a believer. And and when 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 I talk to somebody and, and they say, "Yeah, yeah, I'm a believer." It lights me up. Because man, I have an immediate connection with them because they're a child of God no matter who they are, no matter what culture they came from, no matter what nationality. I'm looking at my brother. I'm looking at my, my sister, whichever it is, and we're talking about the Lord and what the Lord is doing. Amen? That's the way it is. What God wants us to do is this. He wants us to love one another he wants us to serve one another. He wants us to sharpen one another. And he wants us to live in unity with one another. That, that right there, those right there, many more, are the commands of God. Now, let's look now at verses 20 through 24. I get really excited about that one part, you know, didn't I? Man. I love it that you're my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's a work of God. 
every single one of you. Now look, let's look at verses 20 through 24. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when he called is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Now, Paul goes from being preoccupied with who you are in life to now preoccupied by what you do in life. And the example concerns the life of a slave versus the life of a free person. Naturally, slaves were not able to do what they wanted. They were under the control of their master. They, uh, what the master said, that's what they did. And the free man, on the other hand, was able to do more of what he wanted. The Christian slave and their new freedom in Christ could have been preoccupied with the servitude to their master. They could have been troubled with their situation. I like what John Piper says about these verse as he applies it to our employment in life. Listen to what he says. I love to watch Paul put his theology to work like this. He is saying that in the gospel, there is an antidote for despair in menial jobs and an antidote for pride in highly esteemed jobs. He looks to the slave who may feel hopeless and say, in Christ, you are a free man. You were bought with a price. Let no man enslave your soul. Rejoice in the Lord and hope in him, and you will be freer than all the anxious nobles. Then he looks to the noble free man and says, Do not become proud, for in Christ you are a slave. See how he turns that? There is one who has authority over you, and you must be humble and submissive. Let me tell you this. Whatever job you have today, it is a platform for the gospel. As long as it's not some ungodly act, uh, occupation, God has you there to be a light and an evangelist. Remember what it said in verse 24. It said, we are responsible to God. Being, being preoccupied, preoccupied by what you do will distract you from seeing opportunities to share your faith and in a meaningful way. It can also do this. It can draw you away from what God has started. I remember a friend in Oregon 
uh, that was really growing in the Lord. And, and boy, we, we just love their family. They're unbelievable family. Love them. They're, they were, he was growing in the Lord. Really, really neat guy. And he, he, would, he would help me with the young people, with the youth group every once in a while. And he did an amazing job. He was really neat. Sometimes we would go to his house to have a youth, youth activity and so on. And, and then one day he came up to me and he goes, Robin, I, I've been considering uh, moving to another town. There's, there's a better position in my company in this town. So naturally, what did I say? Immediately after he said that. Well, have you checked out any churches there? See any, see any churches there? And by the, by the look on his face, that didn't even enter his mind. I mean, it was like embarrassment. I mean, he, he immediately, the, the Lord told me everything. He had been preoccupied with the job opportunity. Uh, and, and it wasn't good. So they left. They went. He got the job. Uh, went up the ladder. It was a ladder thing. And uh, didn't, didn't look for a church for a long, long time. And it had a tremendous effect on his family. You see, when we're preoccupied with stuff, when it just consumes our mind like that, whether it's the job that we have and, and we're preoccupied with, man, this is not the one I want, this is not the one I want, and that's all we think about, this is not the one I want, guess what we're not thinking about? What my mission is. But on the flip side of this, we can, we can move up the ladder of, of, of our job and have great opportunity and, and be, in a, be in a fantastic position and get real preoccupied with that. that. That right there is the start of my next example, unfortunately. In Oregon, I, I was a civil engineer. And, and in that position, I, I worked hard. I served the Lord. God was working in our lives, uh, just really amazing. And he was giving me so much grace in my job. And, and my job recognized that. And I eventually became one of the board of directors. Uh-oh. It's being on the board of directors, you have lots of authority. And when people, when you walk in the room and you're one of the board of directors, guess what? Everybody's looking and they're at attention. And that over time, you can get this persona about you, that you are in authority. And then all of a sudden, all your jobs are the number one jobs. And everybody better wor be working on your jobs. And all of this stuff can, can permeate. And you get preoccupied with this, with this great position that you had. And that's what was starting to happen with me. But... I had a friend. He was, he was a draft person. He's the guy that drafts up the plants. His name was Art. So one day I came up to Art, and I had my persona going. I am one of the board of directors. You will do what I say, you know, kind of attitude. 
And I came up and I started listening to all things, saying what I want to want to do, what, what he needs to do. And Art pulls back in his chair and goes like this and doesn't say anything. And I go, what are you doing? I mean, we need to work at this. What are you doing? And Art says, I'm not doing nothing until you change the way you're talking. And ooh, he was a believer, a strong believer. And that was the best thing that ever was said to me at that company. It, 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 I went, and I went, you know what? He's right. Well, I worked for that, that firm for 20 years, and when they had the little party thing, you know who I went to to thank? It wasn't the rest of the board of directors. It wasn't other engineers in the, in the company. I went to Art. And I said, Art, man, thank you, brother. That was the best thing. And I reminded him of it. You see, we can, we can get elevated and we can lose sight of why we're there. We're on mission. So God has you doing what he wants you to do. He may orchestrate a promotion, or guess what? He may not. He may orchestrate a move, or he may not. The point is, don't be preoccupied with what you're doing to make a living. Be preoccupied with following Jesus and the mission that God has given you. Don't circumvent what God is doing. He's doing something in your life right now, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. Now, let's home in on a little bit more. I get excited about that too, right? Let's look at verse 23 and 24. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person is responsible to God, should remain in the situation they were, uh, were in when called. Now, let's, let's home in on a phrase. The specific phrase that I want to home in on is do not become slaves of human beings. We can look at this in a broad sense because that really is a broad term. And we can look at it in that way. Can we become slaves of men? Yes. How? We can become slaves of men by following the masses rather the mission, right? So this point is being preoccupied by how others act in life. Can we be governed by everyone else and what they're doing? Yes. Does the influence of the masses bend our will towards the worldly? It can. I mean, we got some really good examples in the Old Testament that show that that's a truism. Look at what happened with the children of Israel in the Old Testament. They had a real problem with this. They said this, we want a king like what? Everyone else. Instead of 
having the creator of the universe govern them? How stupid is that? Very, right? Guess what? We can be just as stupid, right? Not as many said yes. <laughs> Why's that? We can. We can be led along with the crowd. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at some of the different categories of people. We're going to bring this home, okay? Let's first talk to, about moms and dads first, all right? Yeah, uh-oh. What are you preoccupied with your children? Concerning your children, what are you preoccupied with? You know, some moms and dads are preoccupied, especially in America, with sports for their children. Because everyone else is doing it. And everyone else is saying this is the best thing for them and their future. Now, listen, I love sports. I, 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 like, I like playing sports. I used to play basketball with a, a bunch of guys all the time, and I could, I could, I could you know, go down the lane, I could jump high and, and all of that. I, I can jump about this high. And I never go inside. I'll pull a muscle. And it's heartbreaking to have to be standing on the outside doing the three-shooter. It just says, you're an old man. You're an old man. You can't do it no more. I love sports. But listen, parents are spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on sports. They hire personal trainers. They, they, their children are spending most of the summer in sports camps. Sports rule the family life. And you know what? God doesn't intend it to be that way. I believe the Apostle Paul said it best. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. If the fundamental, listen, if the fundamental principle behind what you're doing with your children is not Christ-likeness, at a minimum, it can be a distraction. And more often, it can be an idol. Let me tell you this. Whatever you do, interweave the Scripture with whatever you're doing with your children, whatever it is. Be preoccupied with their spiritual growth while they're doing whatever it is, even sports. Now, let's, let's speak to the teenagers and young adults in here, young single adults, rather. Some young teenagers and some single adults are preoccupied with the really cool stuff. Now, I have no clue what is cool now, all right? None, zero. You can tell by the hair. I don't know what is cool. I have no idea. But they do. What was cool to me was programming languages and programming. That was cool. But you're here. You got all kinds of stuff that's different. Let me remind you of what Paul said. This one thing I do. You remember that phrase. Remember that. Paul pursued Christ. Listen, teenagers, 
young single adults, your freedom to move closer to Christ is at a pinnacle. All all other believers don't have that, that position. You do. You have less distractions. You have the ability to move closer to the Lord, to break away from the masses and get very close to the Lord. Let me tell you something. Sue and I have known teenagers that have gone on long-term mission. I mean more than a week. I mean lots of the summer. Long-term mission events, trips, and they've come back absolutely different. And they've taken that into their life. They chose not to follow the masses of what everybody else was doing that summer. And they chose to be impacted by the Lord, and they were. And you know what? It, it doesn't mean that you have to go out of the United States to move beyond the massive. Sue and I have been so fortunate to be associated with young people in ministry. Young people in ministry is great. I mean, they pump you up. But we have been associated with young people in ministry that, that helped us with Awanas, helped us with, with uh, different events, uh, the, the piano players that we had, and, and when I was a pastor, and then when I was at, a, at another church as, as a youth leader, the, the, the piano players were young people. We have young people that play here, right? We have, I think, young people back there. I can't see anymore. But we have young people here working in the ministry. You know why? They chose to not do with the masses. We even have young people crazy enough to work in the kids' ministry. (laughs) They're amazing. You see, they have chosen. They really have. This is a choice. I see it on their face. They're not going back there going, oh, i got to be a Christian on the kids' ministry. They're excited. They love those kids. When you look back here, when the young people are uh, back there uh, in the sound booth, they're they're on it. They want to do their best. This is what they want to do. They want to serve Christ. The same with the young people that play. There's this one, one dude back here. He stands right there. Man, he can rip up that guitar or whatever he calls it. Randy, I mean, he's amazing. Right? We have that. Let me tell you, if you're a young person today here and you're wrapped up with the masses, let me tell you, you're missing it. You're missing it. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like breaking away from the masses and having the Lord work through you. Your Christianity then becomes real. If you're just sitting here because mom and dad said, come here and sit here, your Christianity is going to be very, very light, very unweighty. So we got some good, great young people, teenagers, but we also have some unbelievable young single men. I don't know much about the young single women, but boy, we have some amazing Young, single, 
Did y'all hear that? Single men. That's for all the young ladies in the crowd and all the young ladies online. If you're online, come to verse by verse. <laughs> we have young single men, and they are serving. They're serving in the men's ministry. They're serving in the youth ministry. They're serving in the kids' ministry. They're willing to serve as ushers. They're willing to serve whatever. Because you know why? They said, I, want, I don't want to be a part of the masses. I want, I want God working in me in a mighty way. And let me tell you, it is so exciting with what God is doing. But if you're a young single person here, and all you get out of your Christian faith is one preaching a Sunday, you're missing out. You're missing out. There's so much more. So, so much more. Now let's look at the rest of us. I'll just do this briefly. All the rest of us, from couples to senior believers to Vintage believers. I'm vintage. Vintage believers. I think Jay gave me that term, vintage. He said it one time, and I went, vintage. That's what I am. It sounds so good, doesn't it? Yes, I'm a vintage believer. Yes. What are we doing? Us vintage believers. Is retirement everything? It shouldn't be. Do you, are you preoccupied with that? Man, God has a wonderful plan that he's continuing to work in couples, in seasoned believers, and us vintage believers. So you answer that question. But I want to add something to it. We're not going to go to the verses. You can look at it later on, but I'm going to add something to that. Later in this chapter, Paul says something. Very, very important. He says this, time is short. And that this world in its present form will be passing away. Don't you think we should shake off the meaningless preoccupations and follow Jesus and pursue our mission? What do you think? Amen? Amen. I believe that too. Speaking of time being short, and I'm not talking about it's almost a Super Bowl time. <laughs> I'm talking about something very, very seriously. Are you a person that is living for yourself? Are you preoccupied with you and time is flying by? And you have not even considered your eternal future? You're going to spend eternity somewhere when you die. Let me be very, very clear. If your time ends and you have not put your trust in Jesus, you will spend eternity in the lake of fire separated from God. The punishment will be never ending. But, I love that, but here is the good news. 
Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He went to the cross. He bore our sins. He bore the wrath of God. He shed his blood. He died. He was buried. On the third day, he rose again. Amen? And he did that for every person in this room and online. So I ask you this. Will you put your trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior? If you do, he will save you from the wrath of God. He will forgive you of all your sins. You will become a child of God. You will be my brother. You will be my sister. God will do this, and he will give you eternal life. Amen? That is the good news. Time is short. Put your trust in Jesus. Now, believers here and online, I'll reflect back. Are you preoccupied where you are in life? I encourage you to be content. Pursue Christ. Are you preoccupied with who you are in this life? If it is, I am a child of God, praise God. Continue with that identity. If not, change your perspective. Are you preoccupied by what you do in life? Remember, God has assigned you to be a light there. Use your platform for his glory. Amen. Are you preoccupied by how others act in life? Don't follow the masses. Follow the mission. Amen. Now I'm going to circle back. Because I think it's so in person. I'm going to circle back to maybe someone that's here that does, has not put their trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Today is the day you can change that. Today is the day you can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today is the day that you can be released from the preoccupation of what you know yourself is falling apart, this world and everything in it. So I encourage you today, put your trust in Jesus. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord God, for how you, you, you work through your scriptures to, to refocus us, to put us on track, to Remind us of why we're here, what we're doing, who we are, Lord God, and, and to guide us away from the masses, but to be on mission for you. I'm thankful, Lord God, for this scripture that you give. I'm thankful, for, Lord God, for you working in us today. And, 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 and through me, Lord God, it's your message. It's not mine. It's what you can do. It's not what I can do. I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit works in a mighty way, not only in me, but everyone else here. Lord, let yourself be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.